Hi, hello, and how are you? All my beautiful strangers and savages out there alike, this is your Armchair Elitist Speaking Roo, and this is the Armchair Elitist Podcast, The Confessions of a Cinephile. This week, The Godfather, Part 2. continue this epic trilogy which it turned out to inevitably be by Francis Ford Coppola we continue in my opinion to the most epic the epic chapter of this timeless cinematic trilogy we continue in 1974 when Francis Ford Coppola teamed with Paramount um it was produced by Paramount and Coppola himself it ran 200 minutes it was in Technicolor in the US in Italian of course produced by Coppola himself Gray Fredrickson Fred Ruse screenplay was done by Mario Puzo for his work from the novel Coppola Photography was Gordon Willis, the Gordon Willis, of course. Music was done by Carmine Coppola, Sikere Alonso, and Neil Rota. The priceless cast includes such A-list and legendary heavyweight names such as Al Pacino, Robert Duvall, Diane Keaton, Robert De Niro, John Cazale, Natalia Shire, Lee Strasberg, Michael V. Gazzo, J.D. Spradling, Richard Bright, Gaston Moschine, Tom Roski, Bruno Kirby, Frank Severo, Francesca DiCepio. The list goes on, ladies and gentlemen. You see, the word epic is thrown around quite lightly these days and I always say the times are always changing such as the topics are always changing but let me tell you this is truly timeless it took home as far as just how acclaimed it was it took home Oscars Coppola grabbed uh, one with Gray, Gary, uh, excuse me, Gray Fredrickson and Fred Ruse for the best picture. Coppola picked up another one for best director. Coppola and Puza, um, another one for screenplays, three Oscars and counting. Robert De Niro for best actor and supporting role, four. Dean DeFeculis, Angelo P. Graham, George R. Nelson for art direction. Still counting, Nina Rota and Carmine Coppola for music. And the nominations, just the ones that they got. Those are the ones they won. Here's the ones that didn't even get, take, get taken home. Excuse me. Al Pacino as actor. Michael Vigasso, an actor in supporting role. Lee Strasberg, once again, actor in supporting role. And, you know, broken record goes on, but Talia Shire for actress in sporting role and then Theodora Van Ruckel 
for the best costumes. But just as the character Michael Corleone said, if anything in this life is certain, if history has taught us anything, is that you can kill anyone. And that is relevant in my mind, just in the fact that they didn't take home those Oscars yet. For example, a little known fact, or actually probably well-known fact, I'm not sure. The Godfather Part 2 was literally the only sequel to win a Best Picture Oscar until all the way, remember this came in 1974, all the way until 2003 with Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings Return of the King. It holds its own. <laughs> Oh, the timeless quote, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Time and two more pictures would highlight the despair and nihilism in the Godfather saga. But this follow-up to the 1972 line in the sand, cinematically speaking, you know, the landmark original, is an essential companion piece. Haunted if you will, as writer-director Francis Ford Coppola intended by, um, quote-unquote, the specter of the first film. And ironically, considering that Coppola was nearly fired from the first movie <laughs> and was so worried about his financial situation that he was holed up in a hotel room scripting The Great Gatsby, which, by the way, filmed in 1974, as The Godfather opened. <laughs> After the film's enormous success, Paramount wanted a sequel from him so badly, they made him an offer that he couldn't refuse. It was a horrible Don Vito, please forgive me. <laughs> but besides receiving a hefty portion of the profits, <laughs> of course, he would also have complete artistic control. Ladies and gentlemen, in pro wrestling, that would be known as a Hulk Hogan move. In rap, that would be known as a, a boss move. <laughs> anything you want, anything that goes wrong, you can cut it. Anything you think is right and everybody else thinks is wrong and stays in. Let me tell you, that would be a recipe for disaster, but for Francis Ford Coppola, cinematic genius. <laughs> That's lightning in a bottle, baby. So let me go ahead and just spill my two million cents here for you. The Godfather Part 2 took six Oscars. And of course, it's darker. More profound. And I'm going to take a little bit of heat from this just from the message boards. and But even arguably even more compelling for its elaboration of power's corruption into complete moral decay. Scenes, patterns, and motifs deliberately mirror the image, but part two is more elegatic and rueful. 
before the regrets reach on a far grander scale, and with its complex interweaving of time periods and its parallels and contrasts between the two Corleone Dons. Vito, Robert De Niro, and Michael Al Pacino. This time unequivocally down on the mob. Coppola explores two generations this time, as Michael listens in power and control, of course, and as he descends into melancholy, ruthlessness, and betrayal. And if you remember, what I spoke on the first episode of Godfather was that what set that movie apart from you know every other mob movie was the sense of loyalty so the fact that betrayal is a vital almost arc it's it's powerful stuff I get so passionate about these movies I literally have written a thesis on this comparing The Godfather parts one and two you know to Henry the fourth and fifth you know king learning to be the king in the fourth and Henry the fifth the king that is the king and invades France and overthrows the French the godfather part one the man who learns to be the godfather part two man that ascends to the the position with a more ruthless aggression than his father ever could have had. It's pure art. Not just because of my deep Italian roots, it, it goes far beyond heritage for me. This is art, ladies and gentlemen. I'm a true cinephile, which, in case any of you don't know, is the term for extremists, Extre- an extreme fanatic on the history of cinematography, of cinema in general. Symbolism. Something that's used in this film consistently. Every film uses symbolism, knowingly or unknowingly. Subconscious is filled with triggers left and right, but this... This truly allows me to relevantly bring up one of my favorite quotes of all time that is if a picture is worth a thousand words then a symbol must be worth a thousand pictures and this film truly demonstrates what exactly that means it's a masterpiece but Back to the, sorry, back to the breakdown. I get so happily emotional covering this piece of history. But family celebrations are again, you know, central to the cycle. It's not gone just because betrayal is introduced, but it's just that much more powerful. But family celebrations are again central to the cycle, of course. Like I was saying, the film opening in the 1950s on the overblown party at Michael and Kay's played by a younger, very young Diane Keaton, Lake Tahoe State, in honor of their son Anthony's confirmation. We learn that the master plan to legitimize the Corleone family business is ongoing, 
just as in the first one. The beautiful party is going on outside, family, tradition, love, loyalty. And on the inside, the puppet master pulling the strings, Don Vito. Now, in the second one, two mere years later, he's ascended to the throne and now he's doing the exact same thing. He's pulling those strings. He is the operator in the matrix in which they operate in. It's beautiful. But that's ongoing as the party continues and rages outside. I wouldn't say rage. It's not a fucking... <laughs> it's not a fucking rave. It's, it's a very classy 50s party, but in that time... Michael pursues the family business, which is ongoing at all times. It's like uh, 7-Eleven. We're not always doing business, but we're always open. Thanks, Boondock Saints. <laughs> but the plan to legitimize, once again, the Corleone, excuse me for wandering off, I just, ugh, late night, and this is just one of the best chores I could ever have. The plan to legitimize the Corleone family business is ongoing, of course. Michael pursues his criminal interests from Nevada, Spain, all the way to Cuba. Michael is beset, though, by problems at home. Government scrutiny. And, of course, with the life that he leads, the threats posed by rivals and associates including the highly influential actors. Studio director Lee Strasberg making his film debut, actually, at 71, as Hyman Roth. A very crooked and corrupt, hard-nosed businessman who takes a dim view of Michael's expansionism. Twinned with Michael's progress is the spiatoned story of his father. Shot in a lighting that can only be described as what I imagine heaven's setting will be like. It's like watching a Bob Ross painting come to life but with much more negativity and darkness. <laughs> but twinned with Michael's progress, as I was saying, is the beautifully told story of his father, played by THE Robert De Niro, who, by the way, learned fluent Italian for this movie. I mean, fluent. It's amazing. Born Vito Indinoli in turn of the century Corleone, excuse me, Corleone, Sicily, where a bloody vendetta makes him an orphan, a fugitive immigrant, and a bewildered detainee on Ellis Island. So many historical factors are tied in with this film. It's one of the many reasons why it's just one of the best. 
Years later though, on New York's Lower East Side, is a grocery clerk and family man, Quiet Vito, the one that just needs to give a glance and he can speak a whole sentence without speaking a single word. He's living on the east side as a grocery clerk, a family man, honest, quiet Vito, De Niro, hot off of Martin Scorsese's Mean Streets from 1973, brilliantly reimagined Brando's characterization in the first film as a young man, winning his first Oscar, observes the power wielded by the feared local crime boss and stealthily, remorselessly usurps it. Respected and prosperous, he returns to Corleone to settle old scores while nurturing a heritage for his sons. A knife in the gut later, an oil, an oil, <laughs> olive oil business, possibly uh, out of an owner. Seated retaliation just delivered. He settles that score. And not only does he nurture a heritage for his sons, but for his mother, for the tragedy that he had to not just endure, but to see, to witness. Again, this film is full of richly drawn characters and superb set pieces. It's beyond description, ladies and gentlemen, and that's what I am best at is descriptions and storytelling. But no, there's no words. It's a rare kind of wonderful that will never be duplicated. But again, this film Although full of richly drawn characters and superb set pieces, the Festa in Little Italy, the New Year's Revolution, Nafana, it is the last shot in The Godfather Part Two that continues to satisfy. Not only with its ambiguity, the ambiguous, what happened? Fredo's his brother, did he? He couldn't have. However, with this chilling image of Michael, his sins accrued beyond redemption. He stands there. Crowded with literal protection, 
people that could turn on in any second. Ambiguously, the film doesn't let you know whether or not he just disposed of Fredo or not, because he does know, of course, from the famous scene about his brother being the rat whenever he amazingly delivered that scene when they're at the dance and he grabs his brother by the face and says, I know it was you, Fredo. Kisses him. Almost as if saying, God damn it, goodbye. Can't believe you made me do this. Or, I can't believe you're going to make me do this. And he looks at him, nose to nose, and says, You broke my heart. You broke my heart, Fredo. Fredo with the terrifying look in his eyes, knowing that he's gone too far. Beyond reparation. Like I said, this ambiguous shot of Michael sends a crew beyond redemption just staying there alone, yet fully crowded. It's a aesthetic piece of art. The heartbreak in his eyes, yet the justification as to what he may or may not. Once again, the ambiguity always blankets everything. The justification mixed with the guilt, mixed with what's going to happen next for his family, for him. It's truly one of the very, very, very few sequels in cinematic history that, in my opinion, the sequel is superior to the original. Now, closing in on the end of this episode, which I really wanted to get much, much more detailed on, but I will literally go forever. I gotta say, I'm going to put a poll up whenever the time is right, because all my beautiful strangers and savages out there are like, I've learned that you are a lot like me. And I have very, very mixed emotions, just as most of the world does, about The Godfather Part 3. So, I completed the first chapter, and this will be the completion of the second one. But, I'm going to put a poll up when the time comes. And all my beautiful strangers and savages out there are like, You can decide for me whether or not the... <laughs> conclusion, if you want to call it that, <laughs> the end of the trilogy, you get to vote on whether or not I do an episode on it, because me personally, just my two million cents, I feel as if the saga's done on the Godfather cinematic adventures, if you will. I mean, for Christ's sakes, Robert Duvall's not even in the third one. Andy Garcia, really? Although a great actor, he's just no Corleone. It's not Bible. I'm not even going to get into it because I'm going to ride this high that I got from giving this, whether you hate it or love it. This has been the Armchair Leaders Podcast, The Confessions of a Cinephile. And this has been The Godfather, part two.
until next time, please live each day like it's your last, because you never know when it's going to be. And just a little news, every month, um, Confessions of a Cinephile, the Armchair Elitist podcast, we uh, do a segment every month that lasts all month. Last month was Quentin Tarantino's saga. This month, we'll be covering, in my opinion, the best director of all time. The one and only Stanley Kubrick. So please join me all the month of February. For what will be the undoubtedly epic Stanley Kubrick saga. But for now, this is Rue, your your self-proclaimed armchair elitist. This has been the Armchair Elitist Podcast, The Confessions of a Cinephile, and this has been... The Godfather Part 2. So to all my beautiful strangers and savages out there alike in podcast land, whatever platform, whatever city, whatever state, whatever country you're in, stay true to yourselves. Stay loyal to your values. And most importantly of all, stay strange.